0: Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Posh Report podcast. We've got returnee, the first ever returnee on the posh, uh, pod today. I've got Gab Sutton. Uh, thanks for coming on, Gab.
1: Oh, that's my pleasure, James. How are you keeping?
0: Yeah, very well, thank you. Even despite the um, despite the result yesterday, not not too bad today. Over it today. Bit of a uh, bit of time to to dissect and and not be as down as I was yesterday. Um, Gab, the healer. Yeah. Uh so usually we'd have a crew fan on, but Gab was actually lucky enough to be at the game yesterday as his role as a reporter um and wrote a very nice report on the game. If you've not seen that already, check it out. I retweeted it on on my on my Twitter account. Um so if you want a bit more pain and punishment after this part of reliving the game, check that out. How was it at the game yesterday, Gab?
1: Yeah, it was, um a good experience. Um, I feel um Sorry to some extent for the fans who couldn't um, be there because uh, they really deserve to be at the games having sort of supported their club. You know, if you're in and thin and everything, it's a shame that fans can't come in and support their team. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, football will never be the same, That all the same, make football but it is. But on personal niche, I enjoy the experience of being there. Definitely.
0: Yes, and uh, you got quite a festival of football from, from one side, sadly not from Posh, but. But Crew put out a very strong performance. Um, I always like to start by giving a bit of context to the game, by talking a little bit about the opposition side. Um, so we'll start by talking about Crew before the game. So obviously, I uh, went into the game with with three three wins, nine points um, from the start of the season. And I said on Twitter that I don't think that tells the true story of of all of Crew's performances um, so I, I picked out some stats to to back that up. So their XG ratio was fifty-four percent. So of all the chances or XG chances in the game, fifty-four percent of them went to crew, forty-six percent of them went to the opposition. They were really unlucky to lose their last two games with Gillingham and Ipswich. Uh they had around two XG in both those games, kept the opposition down to about 0.5 XG. Um, dominated possession in both of those, more than 70% of possession against Uh, Gillingham 55% against Ipswich, Um, but finishing was their real issue. So they don't create loads of chances, about 10 shots per game. They create good chances. So 7.4 of those shots are in the box. Average shot distance of 16.33 is low. XG per shot of 0.129 is very high. It's good. Um, But their conversion rate of 7.2%, when you consider the quality of chances they're creating, was really their issue. have you got any a bit more to tell us about Gab to put a bit of context behind those numbers from what you've seen of Crew?
1: Yeah, I thought Crew were really impressive yesterday. Yeah, I think in the first half they um played some lovely football. They played out from the back, they put together some lovely uh, triangle sequences of play in, in wide areas, I think with uh, Perry NG, uh, Daniel Powell and Tommy Lowry on the right, and then more Harry Pickering and Charlie Kirk and, um, and Ollie Finney on the left, and, and that seems to kind of open posh up, I think. we lot were obviously pretty compact centrally, so they need to use those wide areas well, and obviously played out from the back well too with Amar Beckles the thought. Um, second half, I think it was more about what they did with that ball and the intensity of their performance and the way they managed the game. I think that was equally impressive. So, yeah, fantastic afternoon for that group, and I think they'd be pinching at that kind of games. Um, a few one-nil speaks where they've been a bit unlucky not to get more. So, um, you know, you know, I'm sure some the fans would say this has been coming, and um, yeah, probably one of the most impressive performances of the league one season, I'd say. When you consider the opposite?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, talking about the game specifically yesterday, it was a game where Posh were poor and Crew were very good. And those two things perhaps weren't in isolation. So I think Crew made Posh look worse than they were. And I think Posh's poor performance maybe accentuated some of the good things Crew did was interesting yesterday so crew um reverted back to a 433 so they've primarily been playing 4231 this season um and then they switched uh, to the 433 which is what i believe they mainly played last season in their promotion from from league 2 and i know i spoke to a couple of crew fans and they were quite keen to go back to to that 433 you say about how good they were in possession first half and i think that's i think that's absolutely spot on in that what crew have is they have so many ways they can play out and break you down they they play with a lot of width, both from the full-backs and from the wingers, and they can play out through the fullbacks really well. But they can also play out centrally through the centre backs who who can pick out forward passes, also spray the strong diagonals, which we saw early on when they created the chance, uh, playing from playing from left to right on the diagonal. And when they've got Windle, who's just really composed and can dictate play through the middle. So, a lot a, there's very few teams in League One who can play out as well as they can in as many different ways as they can and that makes them very difficult they're very difficult to stop. Um on that though, I thought Posh did quite a poor job. And I thought crew like to set your traps in possession. Like they'll they'll play all the way back to the keeper trying to draw you out and, and create spaces behind you. Yeah. And, they'll, and they'll play out to the fullback because a lot of teams will press the fullback because they know you then use the touchline as as an extra defender and you can force the the, the way you play. But crew want you to do that because they then want to switch the play and play out the other side. And I thought posture just sort of fell for those fell for those traps a, a little too often. Did you did you get a similar impression in the first half gap?
1: Yeah, I think so. There was certainly one occasion when. Looked a bit dicey, and crew had to go back to the goalkeeper, uh, Will Jaskalainen. And, uh, and you thought, Oh, he's posh, posh is Bosch's press going to catch them out? Um, but actually, crew sort of played out of it really well. I think you mentioned Ryan Winfield there, and I think he's vital to beating the press because he's got that bit of composure and the pressure, so, um, and he can sort of elude challenges and create space for himself, and, and then pick a a pass that opens the game up for the So, I think he's really important in that sense. And also, Eskalainen, I guess, uh, is very good at distributing his football with the ball at his feet. Um, before their promotion season in 1920, um, they lost uh, goalkeeper Ben Garrison, think out be Vita Burton Albion. And maybe some proof fans were worried because he had been quite important to them as a shot stopper. But um, I think Eskalainen gives them a lot more in terms of as well, so that's another bad uh,
0: problem. Yeah, absolutely. And you said and you said at times it looked a bit a bit hairy, but I almost think that's that's intended. I think they they want to make you think, oh, we're getting some success here, we're we're getting some we're getting some pressure on the ball, because then they just pull you out of position and then they play into the space available. Um I thought crews decision making on the ball was fantastic, they knew they they weren't afraid to turn back. They knew exactly when to put their foot on the ball. They knew when to when to switch play, when to play century. And as you say, I think Wintles vital in that, both in terms of his movement and the, and the movement of the whole midfield three was really, really impressive. But also in the way that he'll dictate and he'll point and he'll he'll control control that play. Likewise, yeah. we we spoke a little bit about Posh's press. So Posh's press has not been as good this season or as evident this season as it was last season. So this season, um, passes per defensive action allowed. So Posh have allowed 12.57 passes this season per defensive action. And last season that was 8.94. I think there's a couple of reasons for that. One is they are Posh are happier to sit back and sit in their shape a little bit more. But they've also, I think, without Ivan Tony, who is a little bit more mobile than Johnson Clark Harris is, I think they've lost that that pressing trigger from the front and haven't been quite as quite as successful at, at pressing teams. I think that really told yesterday.
1: Yeah, certainly. Yeah, I think what you get with Tony is that that mobility and um, he's got that willingness to really pressurise defences and. That's not to say that Johnson Clark-Harris doesn't work hard. I think he's possibly a bit too isolated yesterday, but uh, he maybe doesn't quite have uh, Tony's mobility. I think he's coming towards perhaps the latter stages of his career. So um, I think he's more of a to goal type player. I think with Tony, he's uh, so aggressive and constantly looking for opportunities to get in behind and carve out goal scoring opportunities for himself. I think Clark Harris is someone who enjoys playing that goal a little bit more. So maybe a different type of sort.
0: Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And I think another thing that we saw was Posh played. So Posh started in that 4-2-3-1 and then after 35 minutes switched to the back three. I think you're absolutely right in saying, especially those first 35 minutes, Johnson Clark Harris, when Posh was in possession, was incredibly isolated. He He was poor, but I think the surface into him was poor as well. Um, but yes, definitely, he didn't get the support on the ball, and then off the ball. I think pressing. So when when Posh converted into that four four two shape, pressing crew with just the two players, and then the the wingers joining in from deeper. I just didn't like it. I because I thought a lot about this having watched crew, and I thought, what would I do? And I thought, either you play the 5-2-3 out of possession you have the front three that press and you try to stop the play through the fullbacks, and then you and then you squeeze the midfield up onto Wintle and try and stop him dictating the play and maybe squeeze the full backs up as well onto onto the wide midfielders and then you press with the three and you try and stop crew building out that way or you switch to a 4-5-1 or 4-1-4-1 let them have the ball and then engage them in midfield and I think second half, Posh did engage Crew a little bit deeper in midfield, a little more often, and got a bit more joy. But then the plan first half, I don't think, gave them the the maximum chance of success out of possession. And it was just far too easy for Crew too often to play out. And and Posh's decision making about when to press, I thought, was poor, especially when Crew got first to pass the first line of the press. There was a couple of moments when, say, Brown would jump out and try and press 15 yards, but he'd be going on his own, and then he just left the space in behind him. Um, and I thought the crew, uh, midfielders in Lowry and Finney, got loads of space in those half spaces in front of the defence when Posh were jumping out at the wrong times and and just made it a little bit too easy for crew.
1: Um, I, th- I think, the, if I could just dip in as well, I think a big factor behind this, uh, the issues with Peter Brisbane is not having that tailor Because um, you've got Brand Brown, he's a very technical player, somebody I... I liked an England Championship. He uh, he's consistently performed, and um, Louis Reed. And I think there's issues with his mobility. I think he's quite a, a languid operator. And um, I still think there's potential for Reed to be um, a good player um, in the lower echelons of the EFL. But I don't think that that's going to happen while he's alongside Reece Brown because I think want a free up 20% because he's a playmaker but i think really isn't the player to do legwork and um maybe hamilton who's a bit more energetic um might have been a better option to start alongside right and even if um you know he's not a most physical player but he might have contributed a little bit more to the press so um yeah that's something that um i, I certainly think there's issues with the balance of these parts that i would like to I
0: think I think you heard him saying right there, Gab. Um this isn't this isn't me being an aftertime on this, because I recorded the pod midweek on on Wednesday after the, the the EFL trophy game and we discussed a little bit who was starting midfield. Um and both myself um and and the guest that was on, we were adamant that it should be Hamilton starting in midfield for exactly the reasons you say. I think the role that Reed and Brown play in the team is similar. I don't think they're necessarily particularly similar players, but they play a similar role in the team in that they are the ones who drop deep and pick the ball off the, the, the centre-backs and the defenders and are the ones who then dictate and are the first line uh, of ball progression. Um, with Reid, he often plays it a little bit longer than Brown will, but they both like to drop in that space and then they need the legs next to them. So usually Taylor plays the box-to-box role. He'll drop deep, but he'll press on. He'll, he'll, he'll get he'll get in amongst it off the ball. And Hamilton is just the uh, the most like-for-like player Posh have to that, in that I think his passing is underrated. The commentators were driving me crazy yesterday talking about Hamilton, the Peter United ones, because they were talking about how he was a destroyer and how he would just get on and keep it simple. But he's got technical ability as well. I mean, he's come from a academy. If you think there's a player coming out of a cat- one academy who's not technically proficient, you, 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 there's something wrong with you because those those types of academy create really good technical players. His passing range is good. He can play high. He can play split passes forwards. But as you say, the key thing yesterday was he gives you that energy and he gives you that drive in midfield and can get amongst it. And one of the things that was telling for me was we've seen posh this season not be great on the ball and yesterday posh were really poor on the ball they didn't get enough support around the players in possession they didn't move the ball quick enough they didn't create that many chances but what posh have always been this season is competitive and especially competitive in midfield and competitive at the back and they've always they've never been outfought and yesterday they completely especially first half or before Hamilton came on, were overrun in midfield. They lost that midfield battle. It's the worst I've seen them lose a midfield battle probably since even Rotherham away or to a slightly lesser extent Lincoln away last season. And that was the worrying thing. And that was I couldn't believe it when I saw that Reed was starting. I I thought Hamilton had to start. And once and once you did that, especially against a side as good on the ball and as technically good as Crew, when you need to be competitive in midfield, I thought that was a glaring mistake from Fergie, as you say. Um
1: yeah, yeah, um I suppose you, you mentioned Posh's um in possession. I think there were um a lot of issues in the first half with uh, the options on the ball and um it, I mean I'm looking at the BBC lineup, I'm not hundred percent sure whether it was a three four two one to start with or a 4-2-3-1, I thought um, it was maybe about four with um uh i am not I'm not yeah, so
0: just just to jump in that they started in the 4231 um okay. Mason right back Butler left back two two holders Dembele on the left uh, Ward on the right but then they switched after about 35 minutes so after about 35 yeah. minutes they switched to the to the back three uh, Kent went over to left centre back, Wardrop into right wing back. Mason moved,
1: Mason to, moved over to the left because I remember yeah. him playing that uh, that straight pass that led to Yeah, uh, to goal. So, yeah, that's interesting because I, I thought it was a back four. Um, uh, and I think the problem that you had there was um, lack of options in possession. I think a back four probably works against deeper uh, opponents because. You could already see the game ahead of you, whereas um, as a defender, whereas I think when it was about three, and um, uh, when you, you're coming against high press, um, you kind of ran out of options once you got on, onto the edge of your defensive third, and uh, that meant that we're playing, you were playing some. And- uh, panicked rush ball forward, forward didn't really get near that Harris. whereas I think if you'd maybe had uh, an extra centre-back then you might have had a few more uh, options in that first half because created did a really good job of, sort of getting close to the end and need in terms of their work, off the ball
0: Yeah, 100% I think on the ball Posh were poor it's not the first time Posh have been poor I think what you say about the lack of movement is key because where Posh have freedom with that front three to rotate and drift in and out, uh, inside and outside. The the, the deep build-up seems very static and very um, very controlled in that the full-backs take their positions, the central midfielders take their positions, the centre-back take their positions, and then they don't really move and rotate from there. You don't see the sort of movement you saw from Cruz midfield three, from winter, whereby he's covering the whole width of the pitch, will drop into a centre-back role. You don't see that rotation whereby... Pickering will go high, but then he'll drop in and form a three. You don't really get any of that from Posh. Um, the other interesting thing I thought, because Crew pressed really well in the, that half, and that surprised me a lot. So their passes per defensive action was uh, throughout the game was 8.79, and their average this season is 13.06. So they really came out with the plan to press. And that's despite sitting off. Um, in the middle half of the second half, where they allowed 25 passes per defensive action average. So in the first half, they really pressed high. And what you've seen from Posh in the past is when they've got that, they will go long to Clark Harris. They're not very good at playing through the press, Posh. Give them time and they can build through the first, but press them high. And we've seen it time and time again. They're not great, but what they can do is switch play, create space and then play in behind or play into Clark Harris. They only hit 7.66% of their passes long in the first half. And I think that just then, if they had played long, got players around Clark Harris a little bit more, especially in that 4-2-3-1, we've got Ward, Schmodix, and then Ballet running off him, could have been a potential source of joy. But as you say, the passes, they were playing over too long a distance and, and just couldn't
1: build out at all. Can, can I just ask you, well, we, we talked earlier about the job that Ryan Mintle did in terms of helping Beckles and offered as an option in possession and helping through play for your press. and. Um, Think on paper that Reese Brown would be the type of player most likely to do that. Uh, he's sort of, I don't think there's as a final third player, he's someone who kind of likes to link the play. And I kind of wonder if you're struggling for options in possession for ends and Beavers. Would you like to see more from Ryan when you are playing high-pressing opponents in the future in terms of dropping back, even if it maybe um, comes against his creative qualities, you know, know, offering that option in possession in those deeper areas?
0: That's a really interesting question. Um, That's something that Louis Reed did a lot the first half of last season when Posh played the Diamonds. Reed likes to drop in between the three. And then right. dictate and play from there, and he likes to like spray long passes from there. The impression I get on that is that the midfield two, Fergie likes now to keep a bit higher than that when they're okay. playing with a two. Um, I it was really interesting in pre season when you can there was no commentary and you could and the camera was right behind the dugouts so and you could really hear Fergie's instructions, and he was losing his nut with Reed when Reed was playing pre season for playing too deep. Right. So I think it is a tactical instruction to play that little bit higher, um, right. but, but like you say, I think the, especially in, in possession, the conditions on the midfield too does make it too rigid, and I think there's so many different rotations Posh could do. They could drop a Brown or a Reed into those positions, and Reed's had a little bit more freedom in previous games, whereby he likes to drop into the, like the the fullback zone. Um, yeah. And allowed a fallback to kick on. He does that really nicely, and he's got the passing range and time and space on ball. I wonder just with Brown and Reed both playing there, where they both want to play deep, whether that almost stops them both from doing it. If that makes sense, because then okay, if, if really you've got, you got Taylor or Hamilton who will then step on and play higher when you do that, you then don't have the fluid movements. Um, with with Mason, I think Mason's a really nice technical ball playing player. So I I. I would like him at times to shift in and make a three like Pickering does at times on the other side for crew when he's not bombing on, I'm going to allow Butler to go high and create a three that way and get extra players high off the pitch. Um, But yeah, it's, it's one of those where it just, there was just, just a lack of creativity, a lack of almost freedom in that defensive third to, to do these things and to rotate and to cause problems. Um, And when crew were getting such good pressure on the ball, that that caused issues. I've, another issue was Posh's decision making. What did what did you make of their decision making yesterday? Before I before I carry on.
1: Yeah, I think the decision making um, wasn't great. To get as, as I alluded to earlier, I think he kind of uh, rushed the passes. I think, um, or, or even long balls and. Um, I don't think that maybe Clark Harris maybe wasn't quite his best in terms of offering that, that hold up point but they're a bit thinking the ball's got near to it so I think it's a mixture of problems from that perspective and uh, and really I mean uh, Siriki Dembele had some lively moments early on, I think he won a free kick and you know kind of sort of tried to kind of wriggle away from defenders as he normally does but I think after the first 15 minutes or so it seemed like Prue stuck maybe an extra man on him and kind of, you know, you'd say Kerry and G, uh, had him in his pocket, really. Um, so I think that would be a concern. And I didn't really see anything from Sammy Smodic. maybe uh, Issa coming on and um, 20 minutes ago, but he missed uh, or had kind of saved quite a good chance following up uh, Reece Brown, I think it was. Um, but yeah, I think in terms of decision-making, I'm sure uh, Darren Ferguson will want a lot more, but um, missing two key men, really. Yeah, We mentioned that importance of Jack Taylor and how um, his influence is aside. I think also Nathan Thompson, especially in those early phases of, the play- of build-up play, which, as we mentioned, Posh, I think Thompson is someone who could have improved that uh, from right back or from him as a right-sided centre-back because he's got that uh, intelligence in possession. He's not uh, afraid he can mix it. So, I think he's someone who would be brave on and off the ball and um, I-, I think he would have improved the decision
0: yeah, I think you made I think you made loads of interesting points. I'll try and touch on them one at a time. Um so on Dembele, I think Crew did a really good job of of doubling up on him at at a minimum. So as you say, there was often there was often two players around him. Um I thought he held on to the ball for too long at times. I, the best moment came, I think, it was after 17 minutes when when Posh he got an interception. His positioning was quite intelligent to block off a passing lane. Uh, I think it was Kerch. Uh, no, so it was on the right side. So it was Powell trying to play back to Ng. He intercepted the pass. He drove forwards. Posh switched play, got Ward, and and Ward had that shot that just went wide, which was probably their best move of the of the first half. But after that, as you say, Crew at times got two players around him. At times, I think if you look if you watch back the build up for the first goal on the free kick. I thought, I thought Reids probably was a foul, but I also thought Dembele was fouled in the build-up where he was carrying the ball forwards. Crew committed four players round it. They got four players round and congested his space and didn't, didn't give him any time and space to, to wriggle out of it. And the and, and one thing with Dembele, and he's been so good this season and it's hard to criticise him, is he gets frustrated in the game. And when he gets frustrated in games, he tries to do too much, his decision-making drops off. And there was a moment in the second half whereby, as I said, they were creating, they, they were they were pushing two players on him. And I think it was Offord, who steps out of defence to become that second man on him to block him off. And I think Winter was already on him. And for, for a moment, I think it was Schmodix was running off him and there was a pass to play the through ball. And Dembele, when he's thinking clearly, clearly plays Schmodix in and Schmodix is through one-on-one. But Dembele, because of his frustration, I think it was just, holds onto the ball, holds onto the ball, holds onto the ball, tries to do it all himself and lost the ball. And I thought that was the story of his, of his game. I think yeah. I mean,
1: he is quite an he is quite an individualistic player generally. I suppose you'd say. And um, he is quite skillful. He does back himself to beat defenders one and one. But I think he wants to add to that confidence he has in himself. Um, a certain level of intelligence. Which, to be fair, I think he has done this season. He can play some really good three balls. Um, but yeah, I think hopefully he can you know when to spot this
0: yeah I'm not sure if individualistic's quite the right word just because of the okay. work he will do off the ball and I think when you're talking about an individualistic player they're not willing to sacrifice for the team I think then Dembele is typically prepared to track back and press and, and do things for the team most of the time when he isn't getting frustrated um, but yes certainly at times he will try and do too much himself and he won't release the pass at the right times but then it's it's one of them where other times he does do the right pass and he does and he does release the ball at the right time, and it's probably one, if he was if he was passing it at the right times and making the right decision, on a much higher proportion of times he's not playing in League One, he's, <laughs> you know, um, and and I think he is capable of playing higher, but at the same time I think as you say if he if if he if he got those decisions right every time there's no way of his technical ability, he's he's playing in League One, and the Nathan Thompson point's interesting. In terms of missing Thompson, I think what Posh missed in terms of Thompson was his fight and his battle and his leadership and and the way that he can take to sting out the game and win free kicks and and yeah, as you say, he is very calm and composed in possession. Mason usually is we'll touch on that second goal in a minute. that was uh, a really poor decision from him, but especially. Out of possession, I think Posh really missed Thompson's combativeness and his and his ability to uh, break up play and and put pressure on and cover ground. And yeah, and 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 more than that as well. I think Posh's decision making in general was really poor, um, both in the ball and out of possession. They were pressing at the wrong times. They weren't forcing the play very well. I just basically took a few examples of of this just to just to demonstrate. Just key examples in the game when Posh's decision making let them down in both in both thirds of the pitch. So first half when Schmodix was through on goal and he and he did that weak side-footed shot, could have taken a touch, could have driven in and and, and struck and 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 um got closer to goal and hit it with much more power off a touch. Don't know why he didn't. Clark Harris, second half, when ISA played him in, whether it was intentional or not, I'm not 100 percent sure. But then Clark Harris takes a touch and another touch and another touch when it's on for him to hit it first time. We mentioned that Dembele chance when he should have slid in Schmodix. There's a moment when Brown, like, possibly had a bit of pressure and, and forced a couple of balls in the box. And the ball came out to Brown, on, and he was about 25 yards out on the volley and he has a shot. Now, Reese Brown never does that. Reese Brown usually takes that ball down, recycles play, and, and maintains pressure. And then, obviously, the most obvious one is that the, the second goal and Mason, when Mason plays, tries to play Kent, and he, and he just plays in Kirk. And there's a lot going on. I'll get your opinion on both goals in a second. But that stems from Posh having a throw in Cruz's half. They throw the ball to Mason. Now, Mason has a simple pass back to Beavers. The best pass Mason has is an inside pass into midfield, into Reed, which is on. And now when you watch it back, Louis Reed is pointing to pass to Kent. And he doesn't want the ball. And he should be demanding that ball. He usually would be. He points the pass to Kent. Kirk sees it, picks it early, starts closing that pass down because it's been advertised. Kent then doesn't read the pass. It's a poor pass to him. And he shouldn't be playing that pass anyway. But then he's backing off thinking he's in control. I don't know if he's not seeing Kirk or, or what's happened there. Reacts too late. And then it's really hard for Pim. But Pim should probably retreat a little bit more. Uh, drop off, try and force the extra touch and then come and close the ball down. He's just, he's not in a great position, but I'm not blaming Pin at all because he's been completely, completely sold out. Um, how did you see that goal? If you want to add anything more, and if not, just talk us through the first goal, um, if you want to.
1: Yeah, well, I think in terms of the goal that bird Charlie Kirk, it was uh, a bit of a, a naive pass from uh, from Mason and, um, I think certainly, you know, you want to play out from the back, but I think when you are playing out from the back, you've got to be careful that when you play cross-field passes in your own half, um, that that the risk is minimal. And um, unfortunately, I think Charlie Kirk was very sharp, uh, as he was all game, really. And um, I think maybe Peter played in the hands a little bit there. But um, I think that as well, uh, in terms of the free kick, you've got to mention Brawley Finney who Actually, came close three times. I think he had one header uh, just off target from uh, Tommy Lowry's cross, and then he had another header uh, the net I mean, from uh, Charlie Kirk's cross, and then he had another one, uh, another pop drops from just that the box that went just wide. So uh, he, he was really a big part of, of the packing play. And um, I felt, and then I think he won that free kick. Was it off Louis Reed? Yeah. Um, but, and then yeah, Green sort of drilled it into the back corner, which was uh yeah, a really impressive So um yeah, I think Crew um certainly deserved the two goal lead they had at half-time.
0: Yeah, I think the I think the goals the the first goal is an interesting one to touch on as well. Um as I said, I thought Dembedi was fouled in the build-up. It's then far too easy for Crew to play through Posh's midfield, as it was so often. That, as we said already, the the guys on the side that Crew midfield three got a lot of space and found space a bit too easily. I've seen it suggested people don't think it was a foul. I kind, I'm not sure. I'm a bit on the fence. I kind of think it was. I think Reed does win the ball, but I think there's he, his knee catches uh, the opposition player's knee before he wins the ball. Um, but then that free kick was just superb, like the accuracy on it. And the amazing thing is, Posh know he can do that, so they put Reed. If you look at the setup, Posh have the wall, then just to the left of the rule, they have Reed covering the low one at the at the at that post on, on Pim's side because they've seen Kirk can do that, and Kirk's left footed, so somehow he's managed to bend it the opposite side of Reed and still keep it on target and still get it in the corner. It's hard to turn the angle. Maybe Reed's should be slightly further across that side. Um obviously it's it's Pim's side. Can he get across? I'm not sure. It's right enough the post. He has had issues moving his feet in the past, but I'm not sure that I'd I necessarily I'd necessarily put any blame on him. Um talking about crew more genuine, the game more genuine, I've seen it suggested that Crew weren't as impressive as we have and other people have, have suggested they were. And the argument for that was that the two goals, one was a bad defensive mistake, um, and one was the free kick, and a lot of people don't think it was the free kick. How would you respond to people who, who suggest that gap? Um Well firstly they played some really good football crew. I
1: think anyone who who watched the game would say they were really good on the eye. Uh, That doesn't necessarily mean an effective performance but I certainly think it counts for something. Um, The Finney chances that I mentioned um, were from good areas for those crosses. Um, he also, Finney also had that shot that just went away, so they came place there. Um, I think you've got to put some weight on the technical quality of the free kick. I think sometimes there's, uh, there's skepticism from shots being scored from that out of the box, but I do think it takes some level of, of ability to score better shots. Um, and of course, Charlie um, Kirk, his, um, his athleticism, his tenacity, his aggression, um, were factors in the goal that he scored and um, yes it was a mistake but Kirk was someone I don't know if I've mentioned this on pod or when we we're discussing this off air but you know you saw Charlie Kirk in the 85th minute when crew had a two goal lead he was pressing the opposing defenses deep into the final third so that shows that he's got plenty of energy which you don't say of, of every player I don't think so and um, I think he's got to give credit to that I think he's got to give credit to teams that all bowled through different ways. Um, I, I don't buy it at all that, that that we weren't good. I think Le- this was one of the best performances of, of the league one season, especially uh, against the league leaders. And I think it's it credit for,
0: for that. Play. No, I completely agree with that. So I'm just going to touch on a few of the stats and numbers behind the game. So Posh, and this and this is maybe where part of this this has come from, and I'm going to give you numbers and I'm going to kind of dismiss it. So Posh won the XG battle 1.07 to 0.82. Posh outshot Crew 10 to 9. Both sides had three shots on target. So if you take that at face value, then you can say Crew got a bit lucky to win the game 2-0. But I think you have to caveat that with the fact that Crew only had 0.04 XG second half. So what happened in the game was that Crew completely dominated posh in the first half had 63 percent of possession Outpassed posh 250 to 130 outshot posh eight to four three shots on target against posh's one shot on target 0.78 xg posh only had 0.18 xg in the first half so crew absolutely battered posh first half were brilliant on the ball their rotations were really good Pulled Posh out of position. They got in behind the full backs and then the wing backs really well. It's created an exploited space. They created gaps between when Mason was right back, him and Kent. That gap was often huge. They pulled the midfield out of position, got them Posh to press at the wrong time. Decision making was superb. Then second half, because they had been so dominant in that first half, they completely changed their style of play. They stopped pressing as much. They sat in a really compact and deep 4-1-4-1, congested the space brilliantly, played sensible football. So for the first 30 minutes before they went ahead, Crew played just 7.5% of passes, 7.5% of their passes long. In the last 60 minutes, they played 16.75% of their passes long, and they played the ball a lot direct into Mandron to 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 just relieve pressure and ensure there was no mistakes. And Mandron link played really well. The other thing I want to touch on so Posh had 1.07 xg. Posh, she's uh, xg 0.71 of that was the ISA chance, and now the ISA chance was just a, a mishandling from Gaskellinen, whereby the ball spilled out to ISA and he he didn't really connect with it and probably probably should have scored, and also on Cruz xg for some reason Y Scout have assigned Kirk's finish at 0.15 when something's gone wrong with their model there, he's one-on-one, no pressure on the ballkeeper, out of position because of of the scenario with Posh losing the ball. So that actually should be a lot higher. So I think what we saw from Crew was brilliance on the ball in the first half and then just game management, sitting deep, controlling the game without the ball in the second half. And yes, they didn't create loads and loads of chances. They created a few good chances in the first half from crosses, but then they didn't have to create the chances second half because they just saw out the game so professionally, so I'm I'm not buying into that at all. Just like you, Gab.
1: Yeah, I think you've um, got to apply context really. I think I don't know whether there's a slight glitch in the model and this as well. Don't get me wrong, XG uh, is a much better indicator of performance generally than shots and shots on target. But um, I think that. It may be because actually, relatively speaking, Charlie up was from, uh, quite far out, but the crucial thing is that it was just, um, he uh, just had the goalkeeper, he didn't have, uh, defend, it's not like a normal open play count where taking a pop shot. So I think that's a, a vital context and I'm not 100% sure whether the model is taking into account that it was just goalkeeper in by and not a whole ground wash layer.
0: No absolutely and uh, like let's, let's not be wrong, crew created chances early on They created less chances after they went ahead because they saw the game out. When they needed to be in the first half, they were brilliant on the ball, knocked about superbly. Rotations were really good, created space both in front of the back four and got in behind Ward, um, got in behind Mason, got in behind Butler brilliantly. They would have probably kept doing that if the score was nil nil, and that's what they've done in other games, and that's why they actually have been hiring other games because they've had to keep pushing and keep doing that.
1: Second- or even if one 0 I think kept yeah. pre- backing in the out just after they got first goal. So I think if it was one nil in the second half, I still think we would probably have created more chances.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think a lot of those cross chances would have come from out wide delivery from out wide is really good, created great chop crossing opportunities, got men in the box. They they battered Posh. Like, let's let's not let's not let's not start rewriting history just because they didn't have as many chances as you'd usually expect. That was because they just wanted to see the game out. And they were so professional. They just posh liked to play in that space behind the midfield. They congested that space so well. And the cent what the centre backs I thought did brilliantly was their decision-making in that. When Dembele and Clark Harris did step in there, they knew exactly the right times to go with them, apply pressure from behind and stop them having time on the ball. It was a really professional performance and one you maybe wouldn't expect from a newly promoted team with a lot of young players.
1: And I'd just like to mention also Luke Ford. He's been handed a new three-year contract to crew. And I mean, Steve Bruce was... um, Uh, there at the game and um, he certainly had I think there was a few players in the group side who would have been uh, interested in and I would imagine Luke Ford is one of them uh, he actually got his break with them last season when they had injuries at centre back players like Eddie Nolan. Um and um because yeah it just kinda of come through the academy. I'm not even sure if he was a centre back by trade uh, coming through the ranks, but certainly he's made you know made the position his own now and did imagine that Dave Battle sees him as one the first name
0: yeah, I mean, that whole crew, back five from Yaskaline and, and the back four is just very impressive. In their Pickering and NG. Let's not talk too much about them because everyone knows what they bring. And and the commentators, the posh commentators were were purring about those two. Um, but yeah, Luke Offord, like you say, for a young player, his decision making off the ball is really good. Really technically nice. He was the one who sprayed a beautiful... 50-yard diagonal power, uh, pass to power early on and and create and create a chance that way. And Beckles is a player who I've been really impressed with um, in that he's, he's not that long been playing league football, spent a lot of time in non-league, strong defender, powerful defender, but his ability on the ball, I think, is underrated. I think a lot of teams, when I've watched Crude, give him time on the ball because they think maybe he's not the, the most technical player in that back line, but his ability to pick forward passes when he does have time and and his composure on the ball, really impressive as well. So
1: he was in the League One team of the season in seventeen eighteen when playing as a left back and he's a centre back by trade. So it just shows you he's got versatility as well.
0: Yeah, he's been like I think was that seventeen, eighteen season his first in, in league football. I think it might have been Stephanie I'm, I'm
1: not sure. I've got a feeling he might have had a year at Accrington Stanley before that and then after being out shot the year before. I'm not hundred yeah. percent sure.
0: But yeah, at 29, he's one who didn't come into league football. 24, 25, um, and one who probably, if he'd come into league football, probably would have played higher if 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 he'd been spotted sooner. I reckon. Um, I want to finish the pod by addressing two narratives that have come out of this game from the posh side of things that I think we that I think are worth touching upon. So one of the narratives is basically that Johnson Clark Harris is a useless footballer, had a really poor game, has been pit- poor all season. Um and and people were writing him off on the back of yesterday's game. Gab, you've seen a lot of Clark Harris. Do you wanna, do you wanna address that narrative somewhat?
1: Um, well, as, as I mentioned earlier, I think he's a different type of striker to, to Ivan Tony. And you know, some people go in for prison for uh, very serious crimes. It seems like Don't Clark Harris is going to prison for not being Ivan Tony. Um, you know, he, he's good at holding the ball up, he's got physical presence, he's played championship level with Rotherham. Um I don't think he's got that pace uh, so maybe you'd say I'm not sure actually what's happened to um uh like all that type was it I, I get confused between um does Ricky G is it Ricky Gagan for Posh uh, and not so, or is that uh, Paris John I think Jade
0: Jones is injured currently he's at Posh but
1: he's injured. Oh he's injured I don't know whether he can back actually um, but um but no, I think his pace could certainly uh, make a difference uh, when he does come back. To it. you've obviously got Mo so he's very much uh, a there as another option. And um, funnily enough, my housemate actually went to, went to school with Ricky JJ. Uh, so anyone, but um, but yes. Yeah, so I think Johnson Clark Harris is um, he's a good focal point, and I think you've got to judge his contributions aside, you know, over the course of the season so far rather than just on yesterday. You know, he didn't have his best game yesterday, but he didn't have the best service to him either. So I think
0: that's something you've got Hundred percent. I think he's had a good start to the season. And to be honest, the narrative two weeks ago was what do you do if you don't have Johnson Clark Harris because he's so important to the system and to the setup. You can't change all that after one game. As you say, Gab, was isolated at times. He was poor. He didn't win as many duels as he typically as he typically would. He didn't link play as well as he typically would, but at the same time, Posh didn't go into him as much as they should have done. Um so yeah, so I've got the stats here. Not out of six ground jewels won, one out of four aerial jewels won, but he only had 26 touches in the game. And that's not his fault because he is the focal point of the attack. He can link play well. Had a really poor game yesterday but but let's not let's not write him off on the back of one poor performance. And now the other narrative, which is slowly creeping in and was spoke about a lot on the radio, was that in the past we've seen posh teams start off really quickly. And it comes to this time of year and they quickly drop down the table and performances turn and results turn. And there was something of a worry that on the back of what was a very poor performance at crew, that might happen again. Um, Gab, I know you were on... What's it? A week or so ago now, maybe two weeks ago now, and you said you saw Posh as a as a top two team. How how do you rate them after yesterday's game? Are you are you dramatically shifting your position, or do we say it was a poor showing against a very good team and and they sh- they've still got enough quality to to stay stay towards the top end of the table?
1: No, I'm not changing my position. Um, I think it would be foolish to do that on one game. I think lots of teams uh, have an off day. I mean, you look at someone like Carl, who was second in the moment, um, they went and lost 4-1 at Fleetwood. So I think it would be a real mistake to to base this on one game, especially considering they were all with Nathan Thompson and Jack Taylor as well. Uh, Thompson, I think, is going to be out for another three weeks. And um, I think it will be tough for Ferguson to find uh, a system that can work in his absence and personnel of course. Um Taylor, I think, is back from suspension for the backball game, I believe. So I think that's gonna I think you're gonna see a different posh size once Jack is back in it.
0: Yeah, I I agree with a lot of what you said. Um I think part of the worrying thing is that performances haven't been great. Um so if you go, if if we work backwards, I actually thought, going to discount the cup games, I actually thought the league performance away to Bristol Rovers, I know Posh won with two long goals, but I actually thought the performance was a very professional, solid on the ball, good off the ball, counter-attack space as well. I thought that was one of the better performances this season. Um, but before that, like the Shrewsbury game, they won 5-1, but had real issues for 55 minutes. Burton wasn't great. Hull was a real battle, had to dig in. Wigan and again a battle had to dig in. Um, so if you're looking at like, the last five games, they, ha- they haven't quite been at their best. They haven't quite clicked. I'm with you though. I don't see, I don't see this as the as as the same as the last couple of seasons. So last year when Posh were were flying at the start, I think there were real systematic issues in terms of the system they were playing. They had shortcomings in midfield. Were really over reliant on Madison, Tony and Isa doing <clears> things. To, to mask those deficiencies. Um, and then the eighteen nineteen season under Evans, just over performance, just finishing every single chance they had, basically. Um, and and then naturally the performance dropped off. I see this a bit different in that, although the performances haven't been as good as they were towards the back, back end of last season, I see this season as one whereby the the ability to dig in and deep and they're a lot and they're a lot better out of possession than they have been, although they weren 't particularly great at possession yesterday, they are a lot more solid solid at the back they are a lot more versatile at the back, and they can dig in and fight and battle, and even when they're not playing well, they have the attacking quality to see them through as long as they show those battling qualities, which I think they will when Taylor and Thompson come back into the team, so I don't see Posh dropping down the table. I don't think they've been quite as good as uh, being top of the table with 25 points going into yesterday suggests. But I also think they're still a top four or five team in the league, even when they're not playing brilliantly. Um, And I think they'll stay stay in the upper echelons for sure.
1: Yeah, I'd agree with that. And also in terms of, as far as... is concerned my uh, beta model uh, has them performing as the second best team in terms of shop data at 61.67 percent in the course of the season uh, up until the crew and um, so uh, certainly I, I i still think you're a top two starter myself and um yeah I, i'll be amazed if you don't finish in the top six but i don't think you're going to completely collapse uh, the question is whether um you can finish in the top two and um, i still think you will yeah,
0: I think that's fair. I think, like, yeah, so most XG models have posh second or third. I think then if you factor in Charlton and haven't played fewer games and, and accommodate for that, you're probably looking at third or fourth um, in terms of if you looked at like, a points-per-game XG-style style thing as we had to come accustomed to points-per-game last season. And I think the point is there, just to wrap up, even when posh aren't playing particularly well, usually they have the attacking quality to create good chances and to to still score goals. Um, but then what they haven't had in previous seasons, potentially to start of last season, is that they are defensively solid and can restrict chances as well. And that's going to see them through a lot of games, even when they're not playing particularly brilliantly. So even though Posh haven't been sparkling in possession, they've still got enough to stay at the top end of the season. And we're going to finish a very negative Peter United podcast on a a high there. I'm going to say thanks very much for coming on, Gavin. We'll have to get you on for your hat-trick appearance soon.
1: <laughs> Cheers. I look forward to taking the map
0: as Brilliant. And uh, thanks for everyone who listened at home.